0: Hello and welcome to this message from the River. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You come to the River. Today is Miracle Sunday, and we are just thankful to serve a God who does miraculous things. I said, we're thankful to serve a God who does miraculous things. Aren't you glad you got a miracle-working God that is fighting for you? And I just want to continue today in that miraculous series that we began uh, because I believe that we're going to see miracles take place. One of the things that was spoken... uh, to, to us over the weekend, to the church over the weekend, that we feel is a word from the Lord is that there's been some things that have been hanging on to us, but if we will worship God, if we will fast, and if we will seek Him in all that we can do, God will shake those things off and He will take us into a season of the miraculous. And we received that this morning, believing that there is no better place than right here to receive a miracle in your life. If you need a miracle today, right here is the right place for you. And right now is the right time for you because God is in the place and God can deliver on that miracle. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house today. Come on. We believe that the atmosphere is getting ripe for the miraculous to take place. That it's just the seed bed has been set and seeds of, of miracles are coming forth in Jesus' name. And so today I want to preach from that passage and I want to preach to you the seed of of a miracle, the seed of a miracle. Father, I ask that your anointing would just rest upon me today as I preach these uh, these concepts and these ideas that you have laid upon my heart for this week. I thank you God that you have spoken to me and that Lord by 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 the power and the authority of Jesus Christ you allow me to speak to your people and declare your words to them today. I pray that their minds and hearts would be open and they would receive and to ready soil the very planting of the word of God and it would produce a harvest in their lives. We thank you for all that you are in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Everything in the kingdom starts with a seed. Everything in the kingdom starts with a seed. The scripture talks a great deal about seed and planting and sowing. It talks a great deal about harvesting and reaping. Seed time and harvest, they go hand in hand. And you can't have harvest without seed time. Everything in the kingdom starts with a seed. And the miraculous is no different. It also starts with a seed. Every miracle requires a seed, it requires a seed of obedience, it requires a seed of faith. It requires a seed of a gift. It requires a seed of some sorts that start and just is a, is a, a picture or a manifestation of your faith put in God that you believe that He is a God of His Word, that He will do what He says He will do. And as I act upon what He says He will do, He begins to respond to my act of faith. And because of that, miracles can, can take place in my life. Every miracle requires a seed. Something must be given before God does the miracle. The seed is always an investment of faith in what I believe God can do and will do for me. The miracle requires a seed and it requires not only a seed, but it requires a fertile seedbed in which it can be planted and bloom. Desperation, blind obedience, sacrifice, all of these are fertile seedbeds for the miraculous to take place when you go throughout scripture and you look at all the miracles that Jesus did you're going to find that those seeds of faith were planted in soil of, of desperation they were planted in soil of just blind obedience God said do this and I did it and this is what He happened happened as a result or it's an it's a act of sacrifice that God looks upon and blesses and multiplies and does a miracle in always the case When you plant in response to one of these three areas or in a combination of these three areas, you have planted your seed in a highly productive and fruitful plot of ground. And if you will continue to trust God and wait for Him, the miraculous will come forth. The apostles here in our text this morning have just come off a great time of ministry. They have been used by God. God has done some miracles through them. God has reached out to people because of them. And there's just a great season for them. There's just a great time that they're experiencing. And they come back uh, from this time of ministry and they're reporting back to Jesus. And Jesus looks at them and says, you guys have been working hard. You've been doing a good job. He said, you've earned a rest. And he tells them to go to a deserted place for a while. But as they're departing, the multitude sees them and Jesus and it starts to follow them. And we pick that up in verse 33. It says, But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things." When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread, and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five. And we have two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all set down in groups of the green gra- on the green grass. They sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when they had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve basketfuls of fragments of the fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. What a great miracle that Jesus does and what a great public miracle that he does and he takes this this seemingly insignificant gift that is given and he begins to pray over it, he begins to bless it and he begins to break it and as he begins to break it, it begins to multiply. And everybody in the place gets to experience a miraculous uh, undertaking because of the faithfulness of an individual who is willing to sow a seed uh, into a miracle ground that God could take and use to do something great. I want to break down the passage just a little bit and there's some things from this passage that I want to talk to you about for just a moment and then I'm going to give you three quick points kind of at the end to kind of wrap it up. But here in Mark 34, six thirty four, it says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Caleb, Pastor Caleb said last week, And I think it's worth noting again this week is that we have to be willing to be interrupted. We have to be willing to be interrupted for God to do some miracles in our lives. When we're so busy and we're so focused on what we're doing And so focused on maybe the needs that we have and focused on trying to make things work for our lives that sometimes we just don't stop long enough and pay attention well enough that God could stop us for a moment, interrupt our situation and actually begin to work in our lives in an area that we're desperately trying to get Him to work. We have to be willing to be interrupted. God can't do a miracle for anyone and with anyone. He can't do a miracle for anyone and with anyone who won't stop long enough to let him. Not only do I need God to do a miracle for me, I feel like we all have a need for God to do a miracle with me. That the miracle has to be more than just for me. It has to be something that originates with me, but goes way beyond me, and it it blesses more than just me. For that to happen, I have to be willing to be interrupted. I know you're tired at times. I know you're busy. I know you have other plans. But don't resist an interruption by God and forfeit a miracle in the process. Often, His interruptions are the very thing you are on a journey to get. Isn't that true? That oftentimes, the things that you're on a journey to get are the the things that God is trying to interrupt you to give you. He's trying to stop you and give you pause for a moment, long enough to say, if you'll calm down just a minute. Have you ever had your kids when you're trying to fix them supper and they're at your feet and they're yelling, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you're like, if you'll stop for just two seconds, I'll actually make your plate and give you what you're wanting. Maybe that only happens at the paid household. But it certainly happens in the paid household. Here's what normally happens in the paid household. Is we get all the kids' plates made and they go in the living room and they eat. And then before we can get our plates made, they're already back wanting more. And we're like, hey, mom and daddy's turn now. We're going to eat first. So just relax, just chill. And I think God says to us a lot of times, hey, you need to just chill out. You need to relax. You need to calm down. Let, let this interruption give you pause long enough to realize that this is the beginning. This is the starting place for the very miracle that you need in your life. Don't let those moments pass you by. Don't get so focused on a destination that you miss the process of what God is trying to do in the midst of it. Amen. Are you all okay this morning? Alright, you got lunch on the brain or are we, we good? Okay. Often his interruptions are the very thing that we're on a journey to get. So just stop long enough to see. Another thing I want to point out is in verse 36. It says, send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Part of the interruption is the willingness to do what is needed in the moment. The disciples don't want to be interrupted And they certainly don't want to have to deal with the problems that come from the interruption. The disciples say to Jesus, just send them away. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Even then, in that moment, in that response is, we don't have it. We can't afford it. We can't meet the need. We can't fix this problem. We can't take care of this situation. We can't fix this circumstance. And Jesus says to them, and this is key this morning, I didn't ask about the need, I asked about the seed. He says, go and see what you have. I'm not taking an inventory this morning of what we don't have. I already know what we don't have. What I need you to focus on is what we do have. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money. There's no way if we worked all week, all of us worked all week, we couldn't buy enough bread to feed all these people. And Jesus says, I didn't ask that. I didn't ask about the need. I asked about the seed. Go and see what you do have. Bring it to me. And I promise you, whatever you have is enough for me to work with. I can fix whatever problem you've got if you just give me what you have and quit talking all the time about what you don't have. Amen. He said, I didn't ask about the need. I asked about the seed. I just need to know what you have. I'm not interested in what you don't. We spend too much time addressing the need instead of focusing on the provider. A great word uh, from April that came about two weeks ago, is that God is telling us quit focusing on the needs that we don't have because I am greater than the needs that you have. I am more sufficient and able to exceed and abundantly above all that you could ever think or imagine whatever needs you have in your life. So focus on the need giver, focus on the provider, quit focusing on the situation and the need. He's greater than the need. I said he's greater than the need this morning. That doesn't mean that he's sufficient to meet the need, although he is. It means that he is in excess of the need. He can bless you in abundance and beyond the need. He can bless you to a point of overflow in the need that you have in your life. But you've got to trust him and you've got to give him what you do have so that he can take it, break it, and multiply it and make it work for you. Amen. Verse 38. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Good. So now we've identified, we've identified the seed. The seed, again, is all that you're responsible for, not the need. You hear me today? I said the seed is what you're responsible for, not the need. Now all of us, we're all guilty of doing it mean, me, uh, of course, uh, more than probably most, is that I focus on an issue, I focus on a need, and that's all I focus on, that's all I think about. And God says the need is not your responsibility. The seed is your responsibility. That's all that you're responsible for. That's what you've got to take care of. We have to learn to ignore the need and identify the seed. The seed is all we are responsible for. The vision card that we have represents... A large need that this church has. On the back of here is an overwhelming need. It is a need that goes beyond uh, any of our ability to even believe that it's possible that we could do this. If you focus on this, you'll get discouraged. If you focus on this, you'll miss the opportunity that God's saying to you. He's saying, forget the need and just focus on the seed. Identify the seed. The question is, what do you have to offer the Father? Because what you give him, he will always multiply. And when he multiplies, the need not only gets met, but there's an abundance that is left over. Twelve basketfuls to be exact in our story. The last verse that I want to point out this morning is in verse 39. It says, Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. Miracles happen in the arena of order miracles happen in the arena of order you ask God for something big that that requires specificity it requires us to be specific specifics require order how long did it take my question to you how long did it take to put 10 to 15,000 people because it says there were 5,000 men not counting women and children. So scholars tell us that there's probably between ten and 15,000 people all over these hillsides. My question to you today is how long did it take for the disciples to go and put them in ranks of 150? Think about it. Another question is why? Why, why do that? Because a miracle requires order. It always requires order. God's trying to do something in your life, and He's saying, if you'll let me order some of your steps along the way, I can do the miracle. But as long as there's chaos surrounding you, as long as there's no track for me to run on, I just got to stay back and stay out of your way until you just punch yourself out to the point that you'll actually stop long enough and let me kind of order your life a little bit. Think about these disciples one, two, three, four, five, 99, 100. One, two, three, four, five, 49, 50. Over and over and over again until they finally get everybody in place. The miracle requires some order, the seed must be planted into order. Think about a farmer for a minute. Have you ever known a farmer to be productive by just going out? and casting seed all over his field and just hoping it takes root and plant and grows? No, what do they do? They plant in order. They always plant in order. They, they maximize the harvest by planting in order. Order requires some things. First of all, it requires authority, an understanding of authority. There are boundary lines in which I can operate, and there are boundaries in which I cannot. I don't plant seed in the middle of a pond because that's not its environment. That's not the place that it produces. That's not the place that it grows. I have to plant it within certain boundaries and certain parameters that allow it to maximize its effectiveness, to do the very best that it can do. And so I have to allow God to help me set up the stage in my life so that the maximum harvest can be reached and retained. It also requires a plan, there has to be a plan. God God will bless a plan but He's waiting on you to formulate a plan. He'll help you with the details of a plan. He'll help you work one out but He wants you to be the originator of the plan. He wants you to set some things in order, to write some things down that you're looking for. You know one of the things that I believe with all my heart is that if you want God to do a miracle in your life, you need to write down the specifics of that miracle. You need to write down the details. You need to write down what you're going to do when the miracle happens and begin to put in writing a plan that God going to look at it and say that's something I can bless that's something I can work with that's something that I can use A Habakkuk says write the vision on the tablets and make it plain for the people so they can run with it we've taken the vision of our church and we've written it down we've made it plain so that he who reads it can run with it we're trying to do what God calls us to do And Hosea, he says, I will take the vision and I will multiply the vision. God is a God of multiplication, but it requires order. It requires order. It requires parameters and boundaries. No one who wants to have a harvest, and especially a miracle harvest, just throws seed out. It is planted with a purpose. Plant with a purpose. Plant with a purpose. We have to identify the seed and set the need aside. I am never responsible for the need. I'm responsible for the seed. The disciples go and see. They discover there is a boy who has a meal. In John 6, 9, this is what it tells us. There was a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. And so Jesus takes this boy's meal that is freely given. And now that meal is a seed for the miracle that is about to take place. It became seed for the miracle the moment that it was identified and it was given. Not just identified, but given. It's not a miracle. It's not seed for your miracle unless it's identified and released into the hands of the Lord. So I want to give you three quick points here. The first point is this. The seed is always meant for the multitude. The seed is always meant for the multitude. There is a multitude here on this hillside and it has a need. The boy's mother didn't pack his lunch that day with the multitude in mind. She didn't say, I'm going to put you two fish in here, I'm going to put you five loaves of bread, and I can't wait to hear how God feeds all those people. She was only thinking about little Johnny. She was only thinking about making sure that he had what he needed that day. And so it was never given to him with the multitude in mind. But I want you to understand today that the seed is always meant for the multitude. She packed it with her son in mind. But the fact is, in God's sovereignty, He was providing seed for a larger audience. The seed that you have in your life to sow, whether it's obedience, whether it's a gift to God, whether, whatever it is, is always meant for a larger audience than just you. It's meant for the multitude. It's a, it was meant to, to be a seed that is sown. It's never meant to be a seed to be consumed. So don't consume what is meant to be sown. And the only way to know the difference is to pray and listen and allow yourself to be directed by the Lord and then follow through with what He directs. If you consume what is meant to be sown, you cut yourself off from the miracle God is trying to do for you and through you. I said if you consume what is meant to be sown, you cut yourself off from the miracle God is trying to do for you and the miracle that God is trying to do through you the seed is meant for the multitude we have a hard time because we only think about our need we only think about our issue we only think about our lack God doesn't want to do a miracle that only impacts you God is always doing a miracle that goes beyond you and a miracle that affects a multitude of people not just the individual And so God, the the prayer is, God, how can you use what I have not only to take care of my need, but actually impact the lives of other people in the process? I think it's neat that this boy, and I don't think we should take credit away from him. I don't think it's by happenstance. I don't think he was bullied into giving his lunch. None of those things. I think he had childlike faith. And because he trusted Jesus and he believed Jesus at His word, he did what God told him to do. And I think that's a that's an uh, example for all of us is that we have to have childlike faith when we're approaching the Father. But this boy had an awesome awareness to recognize that the provisions he had had been given to him not only for himself, but had given been given in the capacity and with the potential to be provision for everyone on that hillside. His faith in Christ gave him the courage to trust God with what he had even in his hunger. He was able to trust God with what he had even in his own hunger. My question today to you is can you trust God with what you have even when you're hungry? even when you lack, even when you're desperate, even when you have a need. This boy's stomach is growling just like everybody's on the hillside. But he has the understanding to know that this miracle that God's about to perform with what I sow is bigger than me. It's greater than me. And if I'll trust him, not only will my needs get met, but everybody's needs will get met. If you can then you understand this morning if you can trust God in desperation and you can trust God when you're hungry and you can trust God when you lack if you can do that then you understand the seed is meant for the multitude and your need is also tied to someone else's need and the seed you have can take care of more than just you. The second point today is this that the seed is meant to be multiplied. The seed is meant to be multiplied. The very nature of of the seed is multiplication Multiplication is in the very DNA of the seed It is hardwired into the seed It's not something it just has to focus on to do It's something that it naturally does It's just part of the process It's what it's created to do It's its purpose To be planted and multiply It is contrary it is contrary to the nature of the seed to serve any other purpose than to be planted and to be multiplied. When you plant a seed properly, you don't have to hope that it will grow. You don't have to hope that it will multiply. You don't have to beg God that it will grow and multiply. Why? Because it is doing what it is natural to do. It is its very nature to do so. And again, this is why the order piece is so important. The key to it, naturally doing what it naturally does, is proper planting. Proper planting. Because a seed planted in order always produces. A seed planted in order always produces. Psalms thirty-seven twenty-three says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. We read that verse, and the first thing that we think about is directed. We think that the good steps of a man are directed by God. And I certainly think that that connotation is carried in the verse. But I think that there's also something else there that we need to take note of. Not only is it about God telling us what to do, but it is also about God putting us in a system of order in which He can operate. The steps of a good man are ordered. Uh, He's put us into parameters. He's put us into boundaries. He's put us in a system that will work for us if we will stay in the system and operate within the system. He sets the order. God builds the parameters. God builds the boundaries. He tells us how to walk in them. That is a stage that has been set for miraculous things. That is a stage that God is setting for you so that He can do miraculous things in your life. So what I say to you today is don't reject the order. Don't reject the system in which you have been placed. Oh man, that's better for somebody than just one person in this place. Because I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest struggles that we have seen in this area is that people want to try to live in chaos and wonder why God can't bless their situation. I'm telling you that order is the stage ground for the miracle that God wants to do in your life. And you've got to order some stuff if you want God to move in your situation. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What he's really saying there is if you're in chaos all the time, you're unstable in all your ways. And I'm not getting in with that. I'm not in that He is a God of order He wants everything done decently and in order and so when we try to operate counter to that we find ourselves in the midst of chaos without a plan without a purpose without direction without ordered steps and we wonder where God is in the midst of it and I'm telling you today He's nowhere to be found because that's not His business His business is order His business is making things have set places where they can walk and where they can go. Places where He can work and His Spirit can fill that area and work within it. Trust. Trust that that system that God has placed you in. You notice that in the Scripture and Psalms when it says, You shall be like trees floating down the river. You shall be like trees floating. That are in portable pots. Move from here to there. No he doesn't say that. He says you shall be like a tree. Psalms 1. Planted by rivers of living water. Trees that are planted. Planted. I'm steadfast. I'm I'm stable. I'm secure. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm not finding what I need today. But I'm waiting on the Lord. I want to be where he can find me. I want to be where he can walk by. And give me what I need in my life. It requires order. Don't reject the order. Trust that it is the set stage for your miracle. Because when the ground is right, the seed is always multiplied. And within the single seed is a limitless potential. There are orchards residing in a single seed. There are orchards residing in a single seed. And once planted and sown, it starts a chain reaction of multiplication that is beyond comprehension. The seed you have is meant to be multiplied It's meant to be put in a place Where its effects are longer, no longer limited But, but fully released The last point today The seed is meant for this moment It's meant for now It is not meant to be held and hoarded But given and grown I said it's not meant to be held and hoarded But it is meant to be given and grown Right now you have a seed for a miracle within your hand. Right now God is asking for something from you that you can choose to give or uh, for a miracle or, or you can walk away and let that moment of that miracle pass you by. The boy can't give his meal later. He has to give it now. If it's going to be used, he has to give it into the hands of the moment of the miracle. God is not asking for you, from you, anything. He never asks us for anything that we don't have. But He is asking us for what we do have. And He's asking for it in the moment of the miracle. In the moment when He's ready to do the work, He'll ask for it. Later, next, not now. All of those are attempts by the enemy to delay or derail the miracle altogether. And we have to respond to his promptings in the moment of his prompting. Don't ever let a moment pass you by with God because the seed is meant for the moment. Morgan, would you come and begin to play this morning? Jesus says to the disciples, he says to them, go and see. How did the disciples go and see? I mean, you know, think about the scenario. Think about the scene. Try to visualize in your mind. You've got 50s and 100s set across the hillside. They're all orderly. The stage has been set for the miraculous. And Jesus says, go and see, you know, what, what do we have to work with? And they're walking through and they're trying to walk through these ten to 15,000 people. They move through the massive crowd asking if anyone had anything to give. Does anybody have any bread? Does anybody have any fish? Silence after silence after silence after silence after silence. Finally, they come into the crowd where the little boy is at. Does anybody have any bread? Does anybody have any fish? Does anybody have anything to eat? And the little boy says, well, I've got lunch. Would you give it to us? Sure, take it. My question to close this out is this. How many more had their lunch with them that day on the hillside? How many of them on that hillside, surely out of ten or 15,000 people, not only a little boy had had the understanding and the mindset and the forethought to actually pack a lunch that day. I'm sure there was others out there that had some bread, that had some fish, that had something, yet person after person after person, Who's got any fish? Who's got any bread? Does anybody have anything to eat? Silence. Silence. How many more had their lunch and hid their lunch instead of giving it to Jesus? How many of them on that hillside that day had the seed of the miracle in their hand and missed being part of that miracle because they consumed what was meant to be sown. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 17. If you. you would like to support the various ministries at the river, Please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burke, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us Till I found myself face down on your shore, you say, "Come to the river." <laughs>